This episode of Fight Stories has been brought to you by Absolute Nature CBD, bringing you the finest in all-natural, all-organic CBD oil and CBD oil products. Go to AbsoluteNatureCBD.com, plug in the promo code GOONSQUAD, get yourself a 40% discount. Who's better than that, baby? No one. That's that's why Absolute Nature CBD rolls with fight stories. That's right. We're the best, and they're the best. And you can be the undefeated tag team duo of the best. (laughs) We're the best. Oh, yeah. And you're going to want to head over to our other sponsor, Uncle Ronnie's Teabag.com. Make sure you hook yourself up with some sick fight story shirts, as well as our uh, custom uh, Trevor Gillies collaboration. Punches aren't vitamins. You're going to want to probably buy a couple of those because you know you're going to be getting drunk and ripping them off at a party before a fight. Like your Hollywood Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking that you're still 20 years old. <laughs> I was just talking to someone online. He was tweeting about Over the Top, the arm wrestling movie with yeah, yeah, Sylvester yeah. Stallone. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know what? One time when I was in my early 20s, me and my friends, like a group of us, we went to a party dressed as every one of those characters. We had like all the different guys, Bull Hurley and Lincoln Hawks, John Grizzly. We're just challenging everyone to arm wrestles. Just yeah. totally ruined whoever's party this was. <laughs> That's so great, great So fun, though. What a great. I movie. remember uh, at some of these bars, they would have those arm wrestling. Yeah, you know those arm wrestling the pads right the in the middle of the thing. I remember signing up for a couple of those. Oh yeah, your arms would be killing the next day too. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I did enough of them where I fucked up my shoulder, and then my brother wanted to arm wrestle. I'm like, buddy, I'm done. I don't want it. I don't got nothing to prove anymore. You know. Yeah, you find out how old you are if you have an arm wrestling match and you're over the age of 35. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you think yeah. yeah. I think I was 30 when I was like already like, ah, let's just do push-ups. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> let's do something I can win at. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you arm wrestling starts a lot of fights too. Just so much um like bad blood comes from losing an arm wrestling match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what, you know what I love but never got into was those like slap bouts. You know what I'm talking about? Like those oh slap God. knockouts. There's that yeah, famous that's... one. There's the famous one where that tattooed guy just gets walloped, you know. That stuff makes me uncomfortable. Like I can't watch that shit. I just don't oh, yeah. the the idea of not being able to like really defend yourself. You just yeah, like just opening yourself up for it. Yeah, I don't think I have that type of psychosis in me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have ice in my veins like that. <laughs> yeah, not and especially with me not drinking. I mean, after a couple of whiskeys, anything is possible. But walking mm-hmm. into these things stone cold sober, no thanks. Yeah, you get into a Caribbean strap match if you get a bottle of Jack Dan- Daniels in the end. Turn into Savio Vega. Yeah. Except for, uh, we want to give a shout out to our buddy uh, Manola Santanos. His dad just passed away. Uh, George, he was actually made an appearance on this season of Fight Stories. That's right. Uh, just a just a great guy, and uh, and you know, the, Manola tells a phenomenal story. If you haven't heard the episode, he tells a story about his dad escaping from the Nazis, and uh, you should check it out for sure because it. <laughs> yeah. 
It's it's a classic, and uh, and he was a great yeah. guy. So uh, rest yeah, in sorry, peace. Sorry, rest in peace, George, and sorry to hear about him and all. Mm-hmm. Now on that downer, let me tell you about the episode we got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got a good episode today, man. This one was fun because um, on my old podcast, we actually had this guy on. Um, he's a former NHL player, and he is. Um, I would say one of the premier storytellers to ever come out of the league and everyone knows that he's a total character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, it's also worth going back and, and watching that episode of, uh, of the old podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We uploaded uh, part of it to the channel. Right. Um, maybe I'll, upload the rest of it or i'll break it down into some clips. right or even because those stories because and he doesn't get into this because it was covered before but mm-hmm. he fought ty domi three times yeah 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 the and domi he didn't come into the league as a fighter at all exactly yeah fights ty domi three times and this guy's a first round draft pick but he'll do anything to to make yeah. it and uh Dude, that and- thing where he's like he's still in high school and he's like i'm gonna fight ty domi tomorrow night to his high school buddies <laughs> is just mind-blowing calls the principal and has the principal put it over the pa system yeah amazing (laughs) just maybe ryan's gonna fight ty domi (laughs) 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 it really makes you think about how young some of these kids are when they're coming into the league yes and how mature i mean i have never i have never heard of a better example that highlights that fact than mm-hmm. a kid at high school getting the principal to say he's going to fight Ty Domi <laughs> over the PA system. Yeah, you it's know. so good. It's so good. And yeah. so, yeah, that story is on our channel already. Right. But again, I'll try and the upload old Rude Dudes podcast. Stuff. Yeah, I'll try and upload some of the other stuff from, from the old episode too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, we got into a bunch of stuff that we didn't cover on that one. And we've never had him on, uh, on Fight Stories proper. Mm-hmm. But we, he and I did a little tour last year with fight stories when you, you weren't, you weren't there, but uh, right. Uh, we went, yeah, you guys a, did a couple live ones and it was fun. And Manolis was with us actually. Manolis was, was with, with us for those. And Terry is just, <laughs> he's fucking hilarious, man. Yeah. <laughs> when we were, when we were coming into my town, uh, Bracebridge to do the live event, as we're driving in so as so we're coming into my town and uh, it's a beautiful town and there's like a it's called Bracebridge and there's a, a a bridge with a waterfall and it's it's winter time it's right around christmas so all the christmas lights are up and as we're pulling around the corner <laughs> pulling right into like the main area of town all these fireworks just start shooting off no like right above the falls it was like the the biggest festival of lights you could have even imagined i just looked at terry and i go i set it all up for you terry (laughs) (laughs) psycho (laughs) did he he believe it for a second yeah fortunately you know uh, he yeah terry would believe that 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 was (laughs) yeah 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 so funny man but yeah, this is uh, this is a fun episode, man. And there's some uh, some really good shit, really good stuff in this. Yeah, yeah. He just he's a guy that just leads an interesting life. Yeah, just let him talk, man. Just pull the cord and let him go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, we might as well just get right into it, baby. Yeah, that's it, Bob. Terry Ryan. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Fight Stories. I'm Tyler Morrison. I'm here with my co-host John Moses and our friend. Former NHL hockey star, 
Terry Ryan. You guys know Terry's got a book out right now. Was it? Uh, uh, how, what's the title of this book? It's a. It's a. Tongue Tales book. with Tr fights film folklore. There we go. I knew That's I was right. fucked that up. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all good. I I don't expect you to recall the title so much as when I sent one to you. By the way, absorb it and let me know what you think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, and, awesome. and this is the follow up to your original book, which was a, a bestseller in Canada, right? Yeah, uh, the first one was Tales of a First Round Nothing, and that sold real well. Um, and to be honest with you, it was a it was a learning experience. Right from day one, it was a learning experience. I did English and folklore in Memorial University, and what I can't recall, but I found out I was going to have a book published like when I was almost done my degree, and I had a few options, so I went that way. So I figured, you know, folklore is a lot of telling stories amongst other things but it helped for the for my first book in that sense and then the english courses really helped with you know how i was going to write it so i wanted to do it myself so that that's kind of how the first one went came to be but i didn't know anything about you know i didn't, didn't know much about writing but I, I wanted to find my style which i think i did but you know then it was all the the selling of the book and the promoting it and all that stuff which was fortunate that social media was really coming into its own but Still, I, you, there's still things that I'm, I'm learning about how the biz works and everything else. But things like, uh, Tyler, having me on your podcast there a couple of years ago when I was in Toronto at the peak of it, went on Spitting Chicklets a few times, uh, Sportsnet, TSN, the NHL, Sirius uh, XM with Mitch Kern, uh, Mick Kern. So, like, if I didn't have friends in these places, I know that it probably wouldn't have sold as well. So, I, I mean, point being... The first one, it, you know, I think it was a four or five time bestseller, but it had like three or four wow. little spurts because uh, of, you know, and the you other thing is these things you get a spike, right? The, totally. And, and the other thing is, as what I noticed, little things that you wouldn't think you'd notice, but, you know, hockey is gaining a lot of fans now. People are like that are traditionalists like myself. And what is a traditionalist? I love some of the new rules. Some I don't like. I think right now when we say that, we're putting it, what we mean is fighting, right? When people say, I'm a hockey traditionalist. Well, I guess, did you like the Rover? Did you like Cyclone Taylor? Uh, you know, <laughs> no, so I like, we're... I like straight sticks. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know, right? I love straight sticks. I love goalies not wearing masks. Yeah. No, it, it's really what we're talking about is the physical element. So I, right. I mean, I, I, I see it. I'm still playing senior with people that, you know, I've come back from playing junior and pro, meaning that I see the way the game is played now with, with players that are playing away. So, I feel I've played in all these different eras and, you know, I love the rough stuff. I, like I say in the book, I'm from Newfoundland where we like contact and contact hockey. And I played in the Western league in the era that I played pro, you know, you, you really had to be accountable for your actions and you got rewarded with a little bit of physical play. So that's the side I'm on. But I also realized that, you know, there's a lot, the game is open to more and more and more people as social media burst. And these teams winning the Stanley Cup, like Tampa Bay, like St. Louis, you know, like we hadn't won it ever, I, I think. So, like, that really opened the game up. And, and whether uh, there's a lot I don't like about Twitter, the, the main thing being Twitter specifically, but social media, you can say, but Twitter specifically for me is these people having voices that don't really watch at all. And, and everybody has a voice. But on the other side of that is that it's opened up to a lot more people. So, in the time that my book came out, um, you know, all these things were happening in the hockey world. I actually, um, I, there was a school, a high school in St. Louis, if you can believe it, that bought the only school that I sold to. And I, I, that's how I remember it was in St. Louis. 
and they bought like 50 copies of my book, whatever. So oh, cool. you could really see, and that would never would have happened, right? Especially before the and, th- and that was after they won the cup when like people were a little hot that, and crazy there. That was when they were going on a run. It was, they, they hadn't ah. won yet. It was the wow. year before oh, cool. Tarasenko was coming into his own. I, I, it was a girl I, God, I'd never be able to track it down. I, I feel like Trump. Oh yeah. Generally people said this, you know, a bunch of people were saying that they bought my book in Tampa. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, it was, she was a real nice lady and she called and said that she'd heard me on a podcast talk about uh, St. Louis, whatever. And we got talking and, and that's how that went. So, so uh, a female teacher heard you on a, probably a yeah. hockey podcast. She probably I, I, I think it was Jamie Allison. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Jamie Allison has one down there. Kimball's on it sometimes. I forget. There's yeah. so many that I go on, but it, I, I believe she, she or they were listening to that. And mm-hmm. so there you go. Those platforms wouldn't have been available. Podcasts as yeah. well. Like now, how mm-hmm. many podcasts are there? Even in 2014, when the book came out, I mean, I'm sure there were a few. I remember listening right. to Joe Rogan and Bill Burr back then, but not really many ho- hockey. But, you know, that really burst. So burst open. So um, and, and having played in all these places, I played. If you can say one thing about being a suitcase in hockey is that all those teams supported me and my book. The first one didn't just talk about the NHL, you know, it's, nor does this one. Um, you know, I, I kind of represent everything from senior hockey to junior. To, I played in, I think, every league in North America, reputable league, including up like and the down Atlantic the mountain. Coast. Yeah. So that when it comes to selling books and at least interest in books, really plays a big role because all the teams I played for virtually um, had a had a night where they sold my book. Uh, you know, with Dry City flew me down. You know, I sold like 300 in one night. So nice. those kind of things really that I didn't see happening, I didn't realize. So, so now, now it's a different battle. The new one came out. Of course, I know that those who did like my first one, um, would probably be interested in this. It's the same kind of flavor. Although I talk about, I get really specific with the fighting and everything, because I think I'll get into that in a second, actually. But now with COVID, it's not like I can fly around. You know, I used to go maybe fly, drop the puck at games, drive, come up Tyler with you last November, sold a bunch uh, doing the podcasts and, and comedy nights that we did. And I would do that kind of here and there all over. And if two months went by and I, and I hadn't, I, I, I'd uh, call maybe ahead and set up maybe a public speech or something. There, there was just a way that I was learning to attack it. And now yeah. being here in Newfoundland, most of it's online and, you know, hitting places that I played senior hockey in like Clarenville and Gander and Grand Falls. Still, it's just a different, I'm not complaining. It's great that you get to tour anything like you got. It's really, really similar guys to what you're doing. Right. Right? Absolutely. Like, it's, it's finding a new way to attack uh, an old, I won't say problem, but obstacle. Well, it's amazing how people can get like our comedy albums online, but very few will like buy them compared to if you go do a stand-up show and kill and yeah. you're in the room and they can come up and talk they're, to they're you. They're buying it because buying. they like you. you know? Yeah, exactly. It's it's a lot more to do with, totally. with that. Than- well, you and you know, you- that's why, and not to cut you off, but that's why Tyler, I really appreciate those gigs because for me, it's like Jim Cuddy says, right? Like he's like, yeah, you know, the, the business isn't, it isn't often fair to you meaning i i believe the music and and the, the deal that i signed like standard he looked at it um i don't want to talk numbers out loud here but like you know that if you get in if, you, if you're an author or you're a musician um 
And I guess if you're a comedian, you know, they, they, the odds are often stacked against you, right? They, so he can, he's like, I can tour and, you know, I can tour my songs and do concerts. And you guys, maybe you get those opportunities because you're out there and people see it. So for me, I need to piggyback something, which you did for me. Public speaking, that's why that helps. That's why I tried stand-up comedy in the first place. I, I'm really only telling stories. My When I say I go up and, and, and do public speaking and MC some things, I'm doing the exact same thing I do when it's quote-unquote stand-up comedy. I'm really only telling stories. I'm not doing what you guys do. But that gives me a platform. And I always notice it once you're in there and doing it. That's how I sell books. So mm -hmm. um, to get back to what I was talking about earlier, um, you know, in 2015 and 16, and they went, the ball started rolling. That's what I realized I had to do. And, and so, you know, did, did the book sell a lot? Yes. But it's because I put a lot, a lot of time and effort into it. Mm, interesting. Sorry, I just wanted to circle back. Did you say you played at a place called Clamville? Clarenville. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great fucking, you know what? Someone's going to listen to this and, and, there's going to be more than one person calling Clamville from here. On. <laughs> yeah, imagine it goes Clamville moving forward. It's like craft hockeyville. <laughs> yeah, Clarenville for those out there with a curious mind is about you keep it. Clarenville is off the highway in Newfoundland, uh, maybe an hour and a half, two hours outside of St. John's. But if you go just a little bit further, you're in Bonavista, where Michael Ryder and Adam Party. Uh, Michael Ryder, Stanley Cup champ, Adam Purdy, six-year NHLer. Uh, that's where they're from. Bonavista's tiny, but it's unbelievable the hockey players they turn out. I'm not mentioning the guys play major junior in college, Matthew and Mitchell Bragg and uh, Michael's brother, Danny. Jesus, they just a tiny town that they love right. hockey, and uh, mm. figured I'd mention that. So I go that's to cool. and Trinity Bay is around there, and we we do a lot of filming there. If you ever see a typical Newfoundland. Oh, here's one, Maudie. I worked on a movie, Maudie, a few years ago with Ethan Hawke and Sally Hopkins. And um, got this. Oh, I worked with them. I was working fucking locations, okay? <laughs> they were on it, but I did get to talk to Ethan. And I <laughs> took him downtown and stuff. But no, I had nothing to do with it other than, like, you know, uh, working on the crew on that one. But cool. we shot it out in, in Trinity. People liked that. It was Digby, Nova Scotia in the movie. But... Um, you know, all the producers and everything were here and we set it up. So that's what that was done. So I'll be back. This is what we'll do. I'll come back and tell you some more acting stories. Let's get on some fight stuff because yeah. you're about to read in this book. Mm -hmm. It's also an ode to the tough guys. So there's some stuff that maybe maybe even you haven't thought about, but we can touch on that if you want. Well, sure. How about this? You asked me the question you were going to ask me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I just, okay. So a lot of people um, who've maybe heard uh, your other podcasts and stuff, they, they probably heard the Ty Domi stuff. But what I want to know is like early on when you, when did you first really start dropping the mitts? Because you, you were a pretty good hockey player. You're a top draft pick. Um, yeah, what yeah. got you fighting early on? What was it, your first? Well, it, my I'll question is, what type of student are you? Were you in uh, in public school? But we should probably Honestly, go with I the had fights. to defend myself. <laughs> I had to defend myself for one day a week. If you, if you, if you, uh, we did these standardized tests, and if you finished near the top in, in the top one or two percent in your field, you'd go. So one day a week, I went to this thing called the enrichment program, and I was in there for like creative writing and stuff. I didn't like the talent. People found out I got I got beat up for that a little bit, though. And I, I skipped the grade and I was bigger than most people in the grade I skipped. So or sorry, a grade I was in. 
So that also no point. And I'm an only child. I was the best player on the team in uh, soccer. I was real good. And then the other thing, real good at soccer and baseball. We won the Atlantics in both of those. Mount Pearl was a real sports town, still is. Uh, so there was enough reasons. I was always defending myself. I, I, I was in no means a bully that really bothered me. Bullies, but I would pick fights with bullies. So it was in me. I, yeah, that was all off the ice. It was in me, though. I don't, you know, I, I got tested early on. Like grade four or five, I went to an all-boys school, and I used to, man, I was shy, really shy. I, I'm probably the skip in the grade. Like I looked at everybody like they were on a pedestal, and this one dude who was smaller than me, but he used to pick on me, and I, I, I took it. And I, one day, I don't know, one day, man, it changed. I remember knocking him in the face, St. Pons it was. I remember hitting him, and he didn't want to hit me back. And then I was just like, what's the worst that can happen? And, I realized that taking a punch wasn't as bad as it seems. Now, I'm not saying any of this is good or people should. But for me, this worked. For me, like Chris Rock has a, has a bit about, you know, sometimes bullies are good. You know, they keep keep me in line. I, I won't say that, you know, if my daughter was being I don't want to. I don't want to say that I wrote my bit before Chris Rock and that it's a better bit. But uh. <laughs> Oh, well, I didn't hear your bit. I didn't hear your bit. I would no, love I, to hear this. But it's there good. was some comparison early on. Yeah, well, that's fantastic <laughs> because there's a point and there is there's a little bit of that. I, and I don't mean there should be bullies, but if you just let kids grow up, like a lot of it with hockey, if you let it police itself, no one wants to fight Bob Probert, right? So there's yeah. going to be a little less shit going on other than the guys that are hired to do it. But other than that, Wayne Gretzky's not going to get injured. Don't worry. So um, there's a little bit to it, right? You're learning the schoolyard knocks and stuff. There really, are bullies in the real world. Yeah, there are bullies in the real world. And, and really, I, I'm telling you, it made me a better hockey player. And I was the guy around here. Really, I don't want to, guys, I, I really don't want to be boasting on here. I'll tell you, tell it like it is all the time. I really will. Um, but growing in, in, I was one of the best, like TSN did a feature on me when I went away at, at 14 to play junior. I was junior when I was 14. The year before here, I mean, I played, I was in Peewee. We didn't have hitting. I played one game of midget. I had six goals. I played one game of midget. I skipped bantam to do that. I never did yeah. play bantam, right? So that's a big next year. I skipped bantam to play yeah. Yeah. and and and, so, and yeah. midget. They're 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 hitting, right? Like, yeah, they're, they're hitting. They're so I navigated around that. My first game of hitting, and uh, you know, I remember that the argument. They didn't want to let me play. I think a lot of it was jealousy, but the other part was, hey, this guy is thirteen years old here. Right. You know, we can't. He hasn't played with hitting. So, but I used to take it and go end to end. We won the All Newfoundland, the provincial championship, sixteen to zero. I had eight, so we, we knew, wow, you know, and, and really laying back. After two, we knew we were going to win. After four, I'm, I'm not even want the puck. I was my biggest problem in minor hockey was being so passionate a person I am was when like my dad used to have to sit me down like you can't celebrate, and I, I didn't like that. But like that, I should have been at another level. Like it was. I'm just saying, I. My biggest worry in a game was don't get too excited after you score. Don't pump. Don't like, not like yeah. the regular things that you would. So I had to get the fuck out of here, but I didn't know where I was going to go, but I was the type two. There was a couple of close games. You know, we only had 10 minute periods. So there's a couple of close games. I remember St. John's tied us one to one and it was on my birthday and I was held scoreless. I will show you after this. It was a headline in the paper. Terry Ryan held scoreless blades upset. And what we were upset with a tie. So, and, but I but I remember that game, a guy hooking me down late in the game and turning around and chopping him. And like and then another time it happened, the guy was at me in front of the net. I dropped my gloves. So I had, like Dad would say, like, that's not good sportsmanship. But he's like, if you harness that energy the right way, 
at the right time, it's going to help you. But he said, fuck that chopping around and chopping guys. And, you know, there's no fighting in what you're doing, so you don't fight. And now I went to Junior. I'm like, well, is there fighting now? He's like, well, if you want there to be. You know, he was never easy. <laughs> but that was it. That's why my I swear to you, man, my first fight. Well, first fight, I got shit kicked. It was my first game. And I didn't know it was going to happen. I kind of got jumped. Uh, but then I came back. That's why my when I came back, the story in my first book that it's probably the one with the most legs still um, that people love outside of knocking the teeth out with my own teeth out with a hammer. Um, was <laughs> that I, I went back at him, man. I went back at the guy and I had hot sauce on my hands for lack of a better three-hour story again. Um, I just I, I rubbed it in his face and I beat him and, and, and I beat him up. I couldn't remember how many fights I got in that year. I knew a few. It got to the point that at the, you know, I, it was where I wanted it to be. I wanted everybody in the ice to know that, you know, fuck around, I'm going to fight you. I don't know. Even tough guys, though. You ask any of them. You know, you know what? At the end of the game, they're like, often, do we really want to fuck with that guy? And they respect you, right? So often at the end of games, even in my Western League or pro career, guys I fought often that we had, whether it be Jody Shelley, Sean Thornton, in junior, Brendan Witt, like guys, you know, and you realize you got the respect a bit. It's at the end of the game. Hey, T-Bone, can you tell him if that happens again, I'm going to fucking go at him. You're right. Now, I don't expect you to get in the way because he just ran the goalie. Right. But I like that because that means you're getting a bit of respect out there. Right. So and that started to happen towards my end of my 14 year old year. And I'm playing junior. But I look back at elite prospects because hockey DB doesn't have it. So I never did see my stats from that year. I couldn't remember what they were. But elite prospects got it. Someone turned me on to it a few months ago. And I went, holy shit. I had like 220 minutes as a 14 year old. I knew Ooh. I got some fights. <laughs> but if you told me five, I would believe it. If you told me 15, I would believe it. But and then I, you know, Tri City a few years ago, uh, they picked the top thirty uh, players ever, and they flew me down for for like one night to drop the puck and everything like I told you about. And on, on the thing it said, you know, he came in at sixteen and at twenty three fights. I don't, I didn't realize that. I was just always doing it if it, and I didn't realize it was as big of a game. But once I realized that I could take a punch, I don't want to say that I was tough because that's so subjective. A lot of people just didn't drop their gloves. I'm sure they were tough. Right. I'm sure they were. They're big. And, you know, don't tell me if Corey Cross is six foot seven, didn't drop his gloves. He's not tough. He just didn't do it much, which, you know, I, I will never get either. But I, <laughs> I I was too far the other way. And every time something like that, I, I can blame it on others. But I don't. But other people, other people I've seen articles, you know, they used them to fight. Not in junior and shit. They didn't, man. They did not. They had to tie me down. They, they would be like, don't. Uh, when it got to the Shelterian, that's different. I never had to be told. But I would be out there if Wade Belak was going all over the ice and terrorizing it. And a lot of the tough guys would wait and, and spawn, but I didn't like waiting. It was too much anxiety. And I'm like, Wade's out there doing it. Someone got to do it now. You, guys, I'm not, I, don't, I didn't even like – I wouldn't want the puck because my, my mind is somewhere different. Now, let me do it. Prove it now. Then I would be at total ease, okay? You were wired kind of like Terry O'Reilly, kind of like Wendell Clark. That in the That's moment. the way I was wired. So it was going to happen. And – yeah, that's a great comparison. And um, if even if I swear to you, I just knew the way the game worked. Like I'm not like it walking down the street now. Like if I'm, I don't know. You've been in places. I was a couple of years ago in, in Chicago, bar fight. But I don't just want to jump into it. I'm like, well, someone might have a knife. Like senses come about it. It's just that if when when I knew that it was part of it. And point being, if I saw someone run the goalie, I. I didn't want to do it so much to hurt them. Like I wasn't thinking, you know what? He's going to get a face broken, 
But if I beat them and 20,000 people see it or 5,000 in junior six, if they see it, then we get the momentum. My team knows that I stuck up for myself and the goalie and they know it all and they know I'll do it again and again and again. And that's the message that I wanted out there. Hey, if I, if I cut you over the eye bonus, but I didn't do it. To, <laughs> that's why like I wasn't a big guy to hit an open ice. People can talk about this. And I do in my book, you know, if, if you want to talk about, um, you know, concussions if that's the reason that you want to take fighting out well if safety's the issue then we get to start talking about the open ice hits and like i've often said people go well scott stevens did that brendan witt did it i know because they were really tough guys and they're very rare a guy that's why you really had to keep your your eyes open out there for them but i mean there was a red line you were there's all i could argue one against the other i could all, all kinds of new and old yeah he was there we had to get rid of we, we sorry we had to pay attention for that with Chris Pronger or, or Junior Brent Sopel, you had to watch for this shit. shit. Dion Fanufa's things went up. But now I just find if there's no repercussions, now you're starting to see people be able to hit the goalie. No one goes in to fight him. If someone gets lit up in, in, in the middle of the ice, where well, I know it's the only time people say, well, it was a fair hit. I know, but it's hard to tell. If someone gets lit up at center ice going through, I was always under the assumption, go in and fight him because – now, I know it might never. How do I know? I, I so we, we look at it now. You can argue it for sometimes Bob McKenzie's talking about it for four days. No one knows whether it was clean or not. All I know is that you went at our best player, man. And that is Hurtville going through the middle. That's an injuryville. Fucking hit a guy and go. And I know. And that's how I got my concussions. I had four of them post concussion syndrome. And all of them happened that way. I would go out and fight people before Brendan with. I remember it. Like, I got hit so hard in Tacoma in my first game in the Western League by a guy, Vaclav Varada. And he fucking, boom! And I didn't know who this guy was. The European draft had just started, and the boys told me. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, oh, shit. I, I didn't even know who to look out for. And they're like, now you got to start looking out for who's out there. Brendan Witt had a reputation as the toughest guy in the league. I was 16. Was, I don't even underrated. remember much about it. I just remember I grabbed him and fought, like, just so... Just keep your. I'm not saying that he even affected him, but if you do that enough, people like that think twice before coming through the middleman and popping you with your head down. Well, mm -hmm. how many times do people go at Lucic to do it? Not much. It might happen, but it's going to happen less to him than everybody else, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Or Ryan Reeves or whatever. So, and I noticed that, and then, you know, the four time, and maybe, maybe I got used to not being hit like it, and that's why I left myself set once. I couldn't do anything about it. Uh, once was a complete accident. It was actually coming through and the power play breakout and running into my old player. But again, again, I'd rather take a punch in the head than even that mm -hmm. because your head snaps. There's a whole science behind it. So all yeah. these people, I, 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 you know, that are voicing that. their opinions that they want fighting to be gone. I'm just saying in a way it takes, not in a way, in a big way that might not be seen to the naked eye of the new fan, but those fights are preventing that other shit from happening. Uh, and if, if we take the fights out, I know the aesthetics might not be pleasing to a, a new age fan, but I mean, neither is a baseball brawl where people are cheap shotting each other. Mm -hmm. um, people say, well, the, the fighting's in hockey, not the other sports. Actually, the other thing is, which I point out in the book, it's not. It's a penalty. I can't go out there and fight. Wait, is there cross-checking in hockey? No, it's a penalty. Can I chop someone over the head? No, it's a penalty. Well, What's fighting? Okay, so what we're talking about is not that there's fighting in hockey, is it making a steeper penalty? Now, the, the more more we penalize it and the more we take it out, 
Now, let's look at the science. Everything I've read, and I tried to do research for this book. Normally, it's just stories. Try to do some research for a little bit of it, the fight's part. Well, everything I see is that the concussions are going up. If the, if the rate of head injuries, I don't care about other injuries. If the rate of head injuries, and the other injuries are going up too, but that could be just people didn't report it as much. But, hmm. um, you know, you know, if you're if you're laid out and you can't skate. Dad's like, like he's like, you know, everybody from my era says they might have had concussions, but they never had to report them. No, they didn't have what I had. They didn't walk around falling into the TV and puke while they were walking. You would know it. And all that shit went up with the more equipment we started using, the faster the game went. I get it. I get it. Okay. Solution might be make the ice bigger. I always used to say, you know, I don't want to name people, but like if someone's out there only to fight and I respect them all in the era that they did it. But if you, if you're arguing against the stage fighting and the goon, I don't even like that word, but if you are, there's all kinds of players like me that would still be playing it, but you wouldn't be able to catch us. I don't mean that I'm fast, but like if the ice was a little bit bigger, I yeah. think for someone that could not skate, and there are lots of them out there playing pro and lots did, it would probably make the odds of them, each each inch that they have to skate more it would expose them. But there'd still be fighting. There'd just be more talented players doing it. I I, I just think um, that we're not seeing the forest through the We are. I mean, when I say we, I mean, a lot of people aren't seeing the forest through the trees. I'm also not saying we got to be out there beat, bashing each other's brains out. And there's going to be less anyway because it's a different society now. Uh, in many ways, fighting is past society by, or society is past fighting by, not the other way around. But like what I'm getting back, what I'll get back to is um, there's fighting in every sport, isn't there? When I see it happen in baseball, someone charges the mound. Someone, you, you're getting cleats on the neck. You're getting it's anybody. All you're going to do is see someone on the other team with another uh, color on and you just start wailing away, right? Same thing in football, except your knuckles on helmets and Look at last year. Someone got suspended. It was embarrassing. They're in there yeah. kicking each other and spitting. I mean, come on. Fighting, at least in hockey, right? Let's let's be serious. Let's talk about it spade to spade. When it happens, everybody moves back, including the officials, to let it happen fairly. To let it happen fair. It's still penalized. Now, I'm, I think if you gave someone three games, still, if Connor McDavid gets hit dirty, there's going to be a fight. So it's never going to be gone, right? Where This is a total... It's just a, a utopian wish for those new agers that don't see what's coming, but it's never going to be gone. There's fighting in every sport. It's just cheaper. Especially, right. Especially if you're passionate about it and you get into the playoffs and yeah, you know, and, and, for, and for the new age fan, you know, anytime I see a fight, it's still not, nobody's, nobody's sitting in their seat. You know what I mean? Nobody's yeah. sitting in their seat, turning their nose up like, Oh, this is not for us. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah. And it's, a, I mean? like, and it's a big reason that we got a, an audience down there. People look behind that, like, you know how many people I know in the States and, 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 and love and players I've played with, even fans in Tri-City that don't love it. They're just, they, but, but that love love the actual, like Tri-City, for example, anywhere. People I talked to there, because um, I did a bit of research for the book, I asked people when I was down there last year, but they, you know, a lot of those fans didn't love fighting, but they loved the uniqueness of hockey in that we can do it. Like right. with, 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 at a, at a more frequent level, mm -hmm. uh, with more respect being given to it. Like, you know, it's a real unique thing. Uh, it, it, I hear it in comedy all the time. I was listening to Bill Burr's stand up the other day and he was talking about, you know, you can go out there and, you know, you should have that in every sport. Someone pisses you off. Now you kind of do. It just happens at the last minute and someone will throw a fucking 103 mile an hour fastball at someone's head and right. <laughs> come out and I, I often say it. It's there. 
they're in volleyball if someone gets pissed off enough. But if you add to the sport a, a, a dimension, first of all, you can't run out of bounds. There's certain things in hockey that escalate the chance for it, right? If, are you going to change that? Are you not going to have boards? No, you got to have boards. But in the other sports, you can just run out of bounds. In our sport, you're running out of time. So if I look at Chris Pronger, or I'm dating myself there, if I look at Shea Weber, and I think I can get around him, if I want to go for that, I know that the other side is a hard board. It's hard as cement nowadays, too. And it's not plexiglass like it used to be. So I look at that route. The people often say, well, you know, uh, toughness is going out of hockey. Even if you're Johnny Goudreau, there's a level of toughness just to play because you've got to take that route. And you're looking at it as an instinctive scorer going, oh, Jesus, I think I got Shea Weber out of position. But I think isn't I know. And if I don't know, there's a chance that Shea Weber is going to fucking explode my body against that fucking glass, that mm. cement, right? So just the play. So now that happens enough, right? Now Johnny Goudreau comes back and as he's going down, sticks Weber in the face, then another guy comes in. and It's just, it's the nature of it. We have sticks. What are you going to do, take the stick away? Right? You're talking about soccer if you take the boards and the stick away. But there's so many things in our sport that are unique. You're going faster than every other sport, way faster, right? People got more protection on, and that there's something to that. That's why we can hit. So because they do, right, there's more. It's just in, it's in human nature. There's more contact. There's more fighting after the play. There's more gloves in a face. Man, if I could argue this all day. If I can punch you in the face with my glove on, if I see your visor there, I can do it and make you bleed. It's all I, you're, I'm going to find a way if it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I want to win the cup. Or if it's not a team thing, I just want a contract. I'm going to find a way to make you bleed. And if there's not respectful fighting, because we're given respect, it'll be something else, and it'll just be more and more filth, which we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Who's the? I have a question for you because we're talking a little bit about how um, the uh, the fighting does keep down the uh, the dirty rat moves. Is there is there anyone that uh, that you? wish you could have got a hold of when you played anyone that did you dirty that did me dirty my, yeah. my mind is starting to change but on this but there's only two players ever that i really really and really would have loved and if i played i would have looked right at them and saying i'm doing this for the union i'm doing it for the union i'm doing it for every motherfucker that doesn't like you i'm doing it and i'm not talking like the Mac Cooks, I know they had a reputation of playing dirty. I'm sure if I played against him, I would probably find a reason if he, you know, being the nature of the game, what he did, what I did. But I'm talking about Sean Avery, and I'm talking about Brad Marchand. Okay. They've both gone above and beyond me. And I get, I'll give slightly, slightly more rope to Marchand. Slightly. <laughs> but Avery, I'm sorry. You can't turn out. Dan Phaneuf played in Red Deer. He wore number three after I did, um, and they won a Memorial Cup. And I guess I'm biased when I say it. And he's buddies with Damon Lankow. They played in Calgary together. And De Deion, I golfed with Dion in the summer. Not that I'm a big golfer, but we did a charity event together. Not just because it's Dion, though. I, I hope not, but I don't think so. Because at the time, I didn't know him really that well. But mm -hmm. when Sean Avery said he can pick up on my sloppy seconds, talking about his girlfriend, it was over. I wanted to jump through the TV. Now, that <laughs> people ask why, I, there it is. Right. So that is the I that's the best way I can explain what I felt like when I was on the team and I knew I was playing against a team with a guy like that. But that's the worst I've ever, <laughs> ever heard. 
Everything was me, 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 though. That bothers me, too. It's why I don't mind saying I got Republican friends out there, Democrats. I don't want to get political, but I don't like Donald Trump because it, it's obvious he's me, me, me. I don't, it, it, yes, some of the, the stuff he says is absurd. I don't want to pay attention or give it any weight. I don't want to get too far into it, but he's obviously me, me, me. You know, Sean Avery was obviously me, me, me. He was doing, and it was be. There's a whole lot more of it going on now in sports because people want the Instagram shot, right? They want it. Right, right, right. But yeah, people are building brands outside. They're of- building brands. But he was doing it at a time. I don't want to say he's an innovator either because I don't like the way that goes. But maybe he is. But I don't. That 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 stuff wasn't in. It's still not really. I I, I don't think hockey players might have gotten a little bit more. Uh, they might take more chances on Twitter and things and. You might get the odd person say something that doesn't sound team-like, like Patrick Laine last summer. But still, still, you know, hockey players are fairly humble and well-spoken and articulate team first usually. And Avery was just obvious. I mean, he might say it was just obvious. And, you know, I've talked to guys. I don't want to sell any of them out. I don't want to sell any of them out. Mm-hmm. He played on Dallas shortly after that. I went to Dallas camp. You want to narrow it down. And I talked to people that just think he's scum of the earth. And they played with him. I don't know anybody I played with that I could say scum of the earth. I, I could play name guys I played with that were like that, that once you get to know him, you're like, okay, you know, I get it. But I got now the other side of this is that a couple of years ago, you see, he played with a BJ Young that died in a car accident. I played with in Red Deer and Tri City. I raised BJ's kid, Tyson. Tyson's out in Alberta now, but for his, you know, from, from age eight till 18, he's 21 now. And I raised him here. Right. I, for a lot of reasons I won't get into, but his, yeah, but I, I kind of, we made a promise to each other, first of all. So I did that, but Sean did, uh, and he played in Adirondack with BJ and, you know, he sent Danielle, my ex-wife, who I'm still you know, we raised Penny Lane together. We're on great terms. Uh, he sent her a message just to make sure Tyson was doing all right. So there's that. There's that. And that's why I eased up a little bit. When I said at the beginning, I'll ease up a little bit. But yeah. I just, I can't say much one way or the other. It, I just want to go on record and say that I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, who, knows? who fucking knows? I just, I'm trying as a to comedian, as a comedian a and as somebody who has historically said whatever I need to say to get somebody to fight, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yes, well, it was, Good. it was funny. It was just, if I, like, I looked at that again, like I was in a union, which, right, which yeah, I was, right? right? Like, I, I was looking at that going, holy fuck. And to no surprise, I've heard people that are on his team say, you know, he was a lot right. to take every day in the room. It was there's egos and then there's egos and then there's people that should have egos and people that shouldn't have that ego. I mean, I don't know. I throw Wayne Gretzky a bone. He played, you know, he was, you know, but Wayne Gretzky isn't. I'm making a bad comparison because (laughs) Wayne Gretzky would never say anything remotely close to that. I just mean if you're a superstar. But yeah, and you know, you can make the argument. Maybe we just, you know, Sean Avery has every right to do what he did. And yeah, maybe he was just building a brand. I just, I sense something that's not like the other uh, instigators. It's right. something. something Marshan is also very infuriating, but you know, infuriating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say this. I haven't 
I actually met Avery at a golf tournament. I didn't speak to him much, but I did. I haven't met Marshawn. So I will say this. I, I could be totally off. I could meet them and it could be like, because if nothing else, we do. Maybe the reason I hate him so much, or I'm going to say hate. I don't like the way they play or I don't like them that much, man. Uh, you know, we have a lot of parallels, obviously. You know, you right. play hockey, you're, you're in the room, you got to get the guys going, you stick up for your teammates. There's a whole lot of parallels between me and those players I just mentioned. So maybe the fact that they have to go to those lengths pisses me off. Mm. Uh, but there's I something, see. maybe maybe it's for my therapist. I don't know. I just want to leave it at that. Like, <laughs> so I, you are in therapy. <laughs> Avery's book yeah. is really good, by the way. Sean Avery's book is really interesting. I'd say it's worth a read to kind of get, if you're, you know what I mean, to you kind of get behind um, fuck that Sean Avery yeah, didn't, he didn't book, write it he doesn't read again, Avery's book fuck again that. it might be but he didn't write it he had a ghostwriter writing. he can say whatever <laughs> there, there you go and then also that yeah, I was going to ask you that early but you obviously man. wrote the book I mean you went to school yeah. for folklore and all that stuff so oh yeah I mean and I'm not comparing you know no no yeah. one's really going to check my like I'm sure he yeah. got paid a lot more to put it out and like there was a he went and got a professional you know and he he he, he uh, I think he might appear that he says what he wants to say. I disagree. I don't want to say, I really do try to tell it the way it is. I put it in there the way you know, I call my buddies. Like, I, and I'm not trying to gain anything from it, nor I'm not mm. trying to brand it, or, or I guess technically in a, in a way I am. But I, I think everything that comes out of his mouth, there's a formula and there's an agenda behind it. And it might seem like, oh, he'll say whatever, but there's probably a lot he doesn't say. He just picks out the things that will sound great if he sounds like he wants to say, he can say whatever. I haven't read the book. I haven't. I'll be surprised if the guy can put a sentence together. Maybe he did read it. Or maybe he wrote it. I could be wrong. Look it up. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I just said it's an entertaining read. Uh, good, uh, good, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Dude. anyway, <laughs> I will find the, you can ask me another question. I feel like it's, I'm, I'm hating on Sean Avery here, which I kind of am. I guess <laughs> anything could be possible. His book could be great. And you know what, Tyler? That's what I I'll do. do. <laughs> I, you've read it and I haven't. What a dickhead I'm being. You've read it and I fucking haven't. I'm going to read the book and then that's when I'll come on your show next. <laughs> the Sean Avery book review by Sherry Ryan. Uh, that'll be the book review episode. Well, yeah, there you fucking go. I'll give you my opinion could change. I hope it does. I want every reason to like the guy. Uh, but it's just like when he went on that Spit and Chicklets episode. Did he have to have the cigarette while they were having their interview? He wants everybody to know he's a bad boy. Come on, I can keep doing this. Right? Oh, <laughs> he doesn't mind about smoking? No. It's not that he doesn't mind. He wants you to see him smoking. Even if he doesn't smoke, <laughs> the um, the other there's another one I wanted. There's a story I know the story, but John has not heard this story, and uh, it's you told it to me the uh, strip club story. Yeah, which one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to give it away. Um, you you uh, went to the uh, the before the night before. Oh yeah, the night for Halloween. Okay, this was, um, yeah, um, so in 96, 97, that was a weird year because I was coming off a concussion, first of all. I didn't really tell anybody. And so I went to camp really thinking I wasn't going to make the team, but um, I made it. And what they told me was, we're going we're gonna to keep you here because I was 19. If I'd been 20, they would have sent me down for sure. But 
they were like, the Tri-City were in last place. So they were like, either we send you back to junior to a last place team. You had great stats last year. Um, you know, I, the 50 goals and 110 points and, and 207 minutes. So they were like, you know, what are you going to do? Go back and get 400 minutes and just, you know, not, not that I'm, I was going to go think I'm great. Or I was going to go back and like knife through butter. But if you're 17, they didn't want me to regress. Um, so, I mean, I wasn't going to say no. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Keep going. Keep going. You got my attention. So they read <laughs> Mario Tomley said, we'll just keep you here for most of the year. Maybe, maybe at the trade deadline, we'll send you back, which is end up what happening. But that wasn't until February in junior. I went back to Red Deer. So I played, I think, four games is all. But I practiced every day. So that was great. It said, you know, you'll come on the road and you'll, you know, learn from guys like Dom Foose and, and, and Koi Vu, who was being groomed to be the next captain. Uh, Craig Rive was just starting out. Um, uh, Craig Conroy was there at that point. There was lots of great guys there. Or Tucker. So I actually told me and Tucker to live together. So I was like, great. So, you know, I just had to show up and, and work hard every day. And there was a chance I did. I mean, I think seventh or eighth game of the year, I played against Philly. I got a few games in. It was a great experience. But I'd go on the road. So I, I knew I wasn't going to play much. We went to the, the Detroit. And uh, that was great to see a game in the Joe Louis arena. And if I say see a game, we're in there twice. And that night, I believe I put on my gear, but I didn't get a shift. That happens sometimes back then. Um, <laughs> I, had a, I had a few of those on my resume, but and in no way I was 19 and I knew it. Um, the boys had called me grocery stick, right? Like you've heard, but um, <laughs> it was just, it, it was it, it kind of expected. When I say that often, people think I'm complaining, but, no, it happens a lot of the time. It's the NHL as well, right? So just sitting on the bench getting some experience was great. So we went out after, and so the guys told me, I remember Stephon Richet, Patrice Brisebois. There might have been – I know there was a group of them. I just remember those guys, Rex, I believe. And so they're meet, meet us at BT's. BT's. So I'm like, sure. And I looked, and that was a strip club. So I went back to the hotel first. And me and Tux, I honestly, I, I can – I see it in my eyes, the winding staircase. I remember exactly – I was going up. Tux was coming down. I just changed or whatever, and I came back down. I'm like, when the boys are gone, I'll meet them at BT's. I think I called my parents. I used to call them after every game, uh, especially if it was something like playing against Steve Eisenman. So, uh, <laughs> I, yes, that, I, I remember being late. So I called the cab, and I'm like, take me to BT's. So when I got in the cab and I went to B, and this is October 30th, too, uh, the night before Halloween, which is Devil's Night in the – in the in Detroit, I guess United States. I had no idea. Is there something some of this Devil's Night? I haven't looked into the history of it, but it's something. And I believe it either started or like, or really came to prominence in Detroit of all places. Yeah, yeah, I have I no right. idea of this. I'm not even sure of that now. Like I've no idea of this. So I go to BTS, and it's the wrong BTS. There's two of them, and I'm way across town. I guess <laughs> in the lesser of the two BTS. Uh, <laughs> in the opinion of the players of the, of the team so I, yeah. I swear so this girl comes over and it's again they're all dressed in their Halloween outfits and I just got my like suit minus the tie I put on a mock neck so I'm in there and I, she goes hi I'm Barbie she's dressed like Barbie I said well I'm Ken we should get talking so being Barbie and Ken for those that don't know uh, the couple so she's like yeah I get off in like five minutes um, and so I come back. I said something about getting off as well. I'm like, well, get off with me too, or something stupid like that. Anyway, she came over 
And she and I told her, and she's like, oh, I love the, you know, what are you doing here? And I'd always drop that first. And I'm like, oh, I play pro hockey. So she's like, yeah, she goes, my, I love the Red Wings. I'm like, I played against them tonight. And again, I didn't say that I didn't actually didn't get a shift. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't, almost didn't did. say anything. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, one thing leads to another. I don't remember much about how long I was in that bar talking to Barbie. But we went, we got a, a cab, we back, and she goes, let's go to my place. So I go to her place, and I don't know again where Eight Mile is or anything, but I know that we went to it was a it was definitely <laughs> a trailer park. If I said a trailer park, uh, what I think here of a trailer park is like, you know, I can see the whole trailer park. This yeah. was like driving twenty minutes through trailers, like I don't know like where a trailer we city. And there was yeah. like yeah, there was fucking uh, fires. There was like clear like people getting rowdy like loud like i was like wow like i never ever would agree to go there no matter how much i wanted to get laid like but uh, anyway i was going in and this is this novelty to me of course of course it wasn't the first time i had sex i mean you know i'd been in junior and you know i had some good years but i mean you know like anybody like a coming of age thing i was i was here i was in cornell i was in tri-cities like you know i never met strippers or nothing like that like this was bonkers yeah. I don't even really remember if I got laid in Montreal before this point. This is early on, I'm 19. So anyway, we go back and she goes, she's she, she's getting ready and she goes, take, um, I got this, uh, it was like a shooter. So she had this, except it was the top of a bottle. She took this bottle, yeah, she unscrewed it and she was like, boom, she did one of these. She goes, do you want one of these? I said, sure. I go, what is it? She goes, GHB. I didn't oh, know what that shit. was. It was like the date rape drug, I think. But I, yeah. I didn't, again, I, I think that's it. I don't know. And looking back, I'm telling you, people go, why would she give it to herself? Dude, I don't know. I'm telling you, though, for sure. If there's one part that I'm positive about, because I never heard that term in my life. I didn't know what. I thought it was some kind of drink. Or like, I know it was in a little cap. I thought of it like coffee to espresso. Like it's a smaller shot. Like you, I don't, and, and, which it was. But anyway, so... She goes into the bathroom, whatever. She she goes, go in my room. So I go in the room and all of a sudden I'm noticing there's like sex toys, like mostly leather and like leather lingerie and stuff like all over the place. And she's putting on hard music, like like Ace of Spades uh, with Motorhead. And then she's got Metallica on. And it's just, the songs are like, I just remember they were all like heavy but they were all loud so i went in and it was loud and she came back in the room and like we were making out we were i, I might even like i remember like being really excited so i i um i had three oil changes that night if you want to put it that way so first of all, i can't remember if it happened but she flips me around and she gets this big fucking yellow dildo the only thing, honestly it was like a banana. Like I was thinking, what are you going to do with that? And she, she bends me over and she fucking jams it up my ass. Like real, <laughs> real, like, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't at the, the very fucking least or the very most I think is going to happen is that because she's bending me over. She's propping me up. I'm going, holy shit. She's got, at this point, we both got like lube all over us, oil or lube. Or whatever. <laughs> and I just, I think like maybe her tongue or her finger might be, but boom, she takes this thing and just, and I'm like, holy fuck. Whoa. And she's getting off on this. So she's like, leave it up there. Leave it up there, bitch. And she's <laughs> so then I, 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 there's an, I know enough to know what's going on. So then she's, <laughs> yeah. but only, well, now I guess you would if you're 19, because you've seen Pornhub. 
Like, yeah. I really didn't see much. It would take an effort. Like, we all had, oh, there's a porn. But unless you went to the adult store, bought one tape. Right, that's only, right, that's right. Unless you that's bought, right. like, 50 tapes. Now you browse You can't take a, a four-hour trip. Right, right. right? So, you, you, yeah, I'd seen them. But it, very rarely did I actually look at, at, at them. Or if you, if I'd seen them, there was a plot. It was a pizza boy or something. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. was this was rough sex to say the very very least this was rough sex so she then she flipped over and she's like hit me hit me and she's like hit me harder I'm, I'm hitting her and then she's got this like little slap board on the side of the, clearly like how many guys have been here pleasing her this way i don't know looking back but, so i grabbed it. it's like a little ping pong paddle yeah <laughs> or, or ping, ping pong paddle Anyway, kind of like that, and fuck. Anyway, she's like, hit me hard. So then I'm just going, boom, boom. I'm backhanded, or I'm go- I can't hit this girl hard enough. She's fucking loving it, and I'm freak. I'm freaked. I'm going like, I'm, I'm kind of happy because I'm on BGHB, but I know at this point it's like 4:30 in the morning. I'm like, I gotta get the fuck back to the hotel. We're going to San Jose in the morning, and I'm like, I gotta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're flights at like 11, and we have breakfast together. So I'm going, oh fuck. So I called, I called the cab. She's telling me, I don't know, man. And there's no phone that I can just look at the internet. And the internet existed, but like barely not right. on my phone. And I, she doesn't, have a, yeah. So I can't look and like order a cab. So I'm like, what is the number? I remember going outside and asking people and because again, it was this fucking crazy atmosphere and I'm not getting there. So it took like an hour, hour and a half, whatever. Finally, all that shit happens. It was that kind, that kind of sex for like two or three hours, which blew me away. But, even time seemed to slow down. Again, I'm on a drug that I don't even know it's a drug. So, and I, the thing is, I was so naive because I explained all this when I got back. So I went back. I get back to the fucking hotel in San Jose. Or, sorry, in Detroit. We're on our way to San Jose. So some people are even down at breakfast. Like leaders on the team and everything. I'm going, oh, fuck. And Mario Trombley's there, the coach. Um, oh, fuck. Roly Melanson, the goalie coach. Steve Schott, Von Cormier, um, the <laughs> two of them. I'm going, oh Jesus, right? And I, I, I know. I come back and I don't know what time it was, guys. The sun was up, six, seven. I, and you're I still in the same. Late. You're still in the same clothes, the same suit from the yeah. night before. And I'd never, I'd never, other than weed and hash, I'd never done any drugs or anything. Not that I ever in pro hockey, I didn't really get into it. But right. like, let's just say now, I know how it feels to be up till six in the morning. I did not, <laughs> did not know that. Like, you know, we'd have parties. I'm not saying, you know, growing up in Newfoundland, my first beer was I put Vaseline and pepper on my face to get in the bar, look like stubble when I was 13. But <laughs> never really went, and you know, drinking with the guys, but never to that level. So I get in, it's fucking light out. I anxiety, kill a fucking elephant, man. And I, so I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm panicking. I'm looking around. To, I'm just gonna tell everybody right away. And Turner Stevenson was there, and I'm 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 coming in the doorway. He's like, "Dude, get the fuck go up to your room, like shower, get." And I'm like, "No, I gotta tell people." And like, I just, oh no, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell people. So, it's like the guy that cheats on his wife and just freaks out at the last minute and ruins everything, and she never would have found out anyway. So, <laughs> so anyway, I did though. I went up to the room and I, I I came down, I came down, and fucking, I went right in. Right in the boys were there was they were they had a breakfast buffet set up and they were sitting at the the bar kind of thing, and I just went in and uh, explained everything. Not no, I didn't even know what GHB was, man. I thought that was like saying it's a whiskey shot. I, I didn't know, so I was like, that's what happened. I said, I know you guys. And I said, first of all, I know I'm not playing, right? Like because the game ended, there's no injuries. 
you told me I wasn't playing, so I know I'm not playing. I got to go there. Shuddy, bagscape me. Bagscape me all you want. And they act, they acted really mad. But these guys played on the fucking Habs in the 70s. Like, I, I'm talking to the choir here, right? I don't know that. Yeah, so yeah, I'm like, yeah, man, yeah, I said, yeah. like, and I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, I've never stayed up this late. Like, I can't believe what's going oh, on. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so goofy, right? And, yeah. and the thing is, like, and it was totally plausible because, like, it was true. The boys were there. So anyway, but they acted like I was going to be in such fucking shit. So they were like, well, we don't know. We might send you down. I'm like, oh, my God, all that money that I blew. getting. So I'm, I'm going to get sent down now and miss out on three months in the NHL's pay. And fucking not that I was thinking about it, but like really at the time, I didn't think about money much. But it hit home then. Like, I'm going to have to explain to my parents this because, you know, I'm a straight shooter. I would have definitely <laughs> told them. I'm like, I'm going to have to tell everybody what happened. This is why I get sent down from the Habs because I went back to a fucking <laughs> dirty, rotten stripper's fucking house on Devil's <laughs> Night, did GHB till six in the fucking morning. Like, what am I doing? Like, got butt raped. So <laughs> they got on the bus, man. And then I, I can't remember what happened, but at some point, everybody started laughing. And they were like, go to the front of the bus and tell that story. So I, for those who hadn't heard it yet, so on the way to the airport so we did it I, I did that and sure enough and we got there and it actually helped out because I only, only was going out to be social with them and they knew that and the thing is the other guys told Mario and them like they're like you know he was supposed to come meet us he would have been with us but after at least, <laughs> at least then I had a story right because yeah. then we went to San Jose and I got skated and everything and I remember then we went uh, I was just more vocal with the guys i was nervous might not seem like it now but i didn't really talk much when i speak when spoken to when a rookie in the nhl yeah, a teenager yeah. so i was just it just actually became something that you know a story to tell and then we all went out to dinner and um, they were telling the waiters and everything they got a they got a real kick out of it to the point <laughs> i remember because they gave me a little pig they gave me a pig uh in other words you're a pig kind of thing like as a good luck charm to have with me yeah. and I ended up getting a big Yoda because I was into Star Wars a little bit. So we went and the boys bought me. I can't remember if I bought it or they did, but a big Yoda to turn my fortune. And finally, I'd get into a game. So I had, it honestly, a big Yoda doll next to my stall in in Montreal for the next two or three months. They all remember <laughs> that, I'm sure. They but um, they were, you know, th that happens. But I, I don't mind even saying it. That kind of shit happens sometimes, too. It's why you got to... There's a fine line between men. I won't mention it, but Teddy Purcell played, you know, a little bit after me, just retired a couple of years ago, but, you know, kind of same thing. Like he, he's kind of a bridge between my generation and this one, but same thing. He's like, you know, a couple of guys that were on Tampa when he was there came in early and they, they never came out. They just brought their video games and everything. And, you know, mm -hmm. you, you got it. There's gotta be something in the middle. I, I won't say to anybody that you should be out doing GHB with strippers till fucking six in the morning. But <laughs> yeah. to go out with the guys for beers and stuff, especially for the meals and everything, I right. hope it's kind of going the way to the Dodo bird, but there are instances where you see, I mean, the Santa Cup parades and everything. I just mean like the night before, not to get shit-faced, but have a beer or two with the boys. If you got a few nights off, maybe go out and try to get laid here and there. You know, I, I, that's mm. not a bad word, right? There's single guys, you're in your 20s. Have a little bit of fun camaraderie because is built camaraderie man. So, and, Terry, and, Terry I hate to tell you this 
um that wasn't the strip club story i wanted you to tell <laughs> uh, <laughs> totally different strip club story you didn't have to tell anyone you got fucked in the ass with the dildo wow <laughs> the and i gotta take off soon we're so glad, it, it, glad it happened the story we gotta wrap we gotta wrap with terry the the animal frank the animal okay frank the this animal is the one that john needs to hear <laughs> okay I'll go after that because I got to pick my daughter yeah. up from school. Yeah. Gotta yeah. I got to go downstairs. Talk to you all day. No, watch no. math. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were in Philadelphia. I just now fast forward a couple of years. That year went by the 19 year old year. I went back to Red Deer at the end of that year. And the next year was my first year. 97, 98 ended up being my first year in the American League. And I had 34 fights that year. 34 wow. majors when I look back. I, 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 don't, I never remember getting one major that. I say were 34 you, fights. I want to be factual, but it was. Were you still bagging history. goals in the AHL? I had 21 that year. Yeah, I was rookie of the year for a conference. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and again, that's that's largely why I wanted out. I'm like, and, and you know, 34 fights. That started to be. I don't know that I would have had that many, but it started to be getting the Mike Terry and tap to go do it. Mm. And I, I felt that was an insult, first of all, because I knew I know when to fight, especially coming from a guy that didn't do it. But. Um, mm. Um, that's kind of was the beginning of the end, but you know, and, and get into my new book, everything about Michelle Terry wasn't bad either. There was some good stuff, put that in there, but yeah, I got a lot of fights, man. So my first year, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I had that cup of coffee on the Habs when I'm 19, right? So then to go to the, I, I knew I was going to go to the A the next year, but I also know I'm first round fucking pick. So I went there, Jose theaters down there with me a few more, like Eric Melange was on our team that spent the next 10 years in the NHL, uh, from Minnesota and LA the most, I think a uh, lot. Like, again, I was rookie of the year ahead of him. Uh, mm. Donald McLean, Stefan Robida, uh, Johnny DeLille, Eric Hood, Matt Higgins, Aaron Asham, all the guys are there. Right. And so, and I played some playoff games in Freddie, I think the year before, you know, Darcy Tucker, Craig Conroy. Oh God. There's just so many great players. Valerie Bure. And if I'm hanging with these guys, then I'm, that's kind of why I wanted out. But but anyway, so that first year, yeah, that happened. So the next year, I was up, um, 98, 99, I started the year in Montreal. Um, but after the second game, I don't know, it was Brunei or someone like that was hurt, and, and I knew I was going down. But when I got down, I had to meet the team in Philadelphia. So we got there, and it was the only game, I think, the players voted me captain. Michelle Terrain took that away. It was the only game I remember wearing the captain. So I got down and, you know, I'd just been sent down, rookie of the year the year before, building off that. But I didn't have a great relationship with Terry and it soured after this particular game. But anyway, we got to, I remember Sylvain Bluen was on our team. Sly Bluen's a tough guy. So the night before this, you see, we went out. We all, I get sent down and my buddies, Brian Boucher and Damon Lankow were in Philly. Brian was playing for the Phantoms, ended up, now he's commentator on, NBC Sports, I think, uh, and he's got a, he had a great career, but he was up and down in the show at that point. He's on the Philadelphia Phantoms. Damon Lankow's on the Philadelphia Flyers. We all got drafted in the first round together in '95, all from Chai City, so we're good buddies. You don't go through something like that without, um, you know, having something in common the rest of your life, you know. So we're there early. The boys come out to meet me, so we're at this bar, man. And honestly, we 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 our team we went out for a bite to eat. So like I said, a steak and everything. And we went to the strip club. Honestly, he was on the way to the hotel. I'm not even a big strip club guy. I'm not trying to be cool. 
I just, the way I looked at it, especially in Montreal, I'm like, why in the world would we go to a strip club and pay money? I'm, I'm 19. I'm a fairly looking guy. At least I'm in shape. I play for the Montreal Canadiens. And like maybe, in, you know, maybe in 50 years, you know, what are we talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like why in the world would yeah, I go yeah. to a strip club in Montreal? I just never... Never did the math, but you know, once in a while, and guys like to go, especially in Philly, there wasn't that many places to go. It was on the way to the hotel, easy place to meet the boys. So we went in there, and then anyway, we're having a couple. And I think Bush sent over one of them, this girl, for a lap dance. So anyway, and they're kind of laughing, or whatever. So I, I, she she dances for me. Again, in my life, I, I I don't. It might sound silly, but in my life, I haven't had a dozen of them. I've gone to strip clubs. I just again. I'm not yeah. saying I don't try to leave with the real thing. I'm not saying, oh, I don't go out and try to be with girls. I'm just, even in Newfoundland, you know, you got George Street right there. Why go to the cotton club and spend a grand? Right. <clears throat> um, so, well, anyway, I get this lap dance. I'm like, oh, I, I, I remember, and it was different rules in the States. Canada, you can pretty much do anything. In Montreal, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The happy endings happen at half of it. But in, in, in uh, Philly, it was like, you know, you get, picture you got stickers on your nipples and you still get your panties on or whatever whatever it was so but there she's over there dancing for me and of course i want those panties to come off so i'm like hey what are you doing after or whatever like immediately too no game whatsoever Just immediately i play pro hockey because it was working here and there <laughs> so she's like yeah but my husband plays hockey too I'm like i oh, yeah. like husband first of all she goes oh don't worry like I'm like well is he here tonight she's like no i'm like well Fair enough. I said, well, I play pro hockey. You know, honey, I play pro hockey. I said, what, <laughs> what team? I said, well, you know, I was with the Montreal Canadiens until, uh, until yesterday. I said, but now I'm with Fredericton. I'm even playing the Philadelphia Phantoms. But I said, soon to be the Flyers, hopefully. And I winked. And she said, oh, my, my husband plays pro hockey, too. I went, pro hockey? So you mean professional hockey? He plays for the Flyers? What? She goes, no, he plays for the Phantoms. And I'm like, oh, fuck. It starts to starts to you know now I'm thinking who on the Phantoms is fucking crazy enough. All this is going through my head in a, in a millisecond. I realized. Yeah, 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 yeah. Frank Bailoas. I'm like, oh Jesus. When Frank <laughs> played here for the St. John's Maple Leafs, when Frank played here, this is how I knew of Frank Bailoas because I watched him for, first of all when I was 14, uh, and the Leafs first came here in '91, '92, the year I left. I would come back. The, the Leafs. And he was an animal. And Ryan Vandenbush came in a couple years later. And these guys, well, animal. He's Frank the animal. He was had such a reputation as a tough guy, and the way he wore his hair, and he's one of those guys. No offense against him, he probably wouldn't last if the if the rink was a little bit bigger. He's pure meat and potatoes, tough man. He stripped himself on more than one occasion, not one night for novelty. He was stripping a stripper at the Cotton Club, Frank Bialois on Ladies Night. <laughs> so yeah, this is true. No what word of a lie. More than one occasion in St. John's. Many more than one occasion in St. John's. So, <laughs> I know that anyway. hockey, like, he was Yeah, yeah, summer. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Like with an official, like, fucking dance and all that shit. So, <laughs> I'm going. So, we, we go to the game. And he's standing on the red line in warm-up. And he's got no tape on one end of his stick. And he's just, like, leaning on it, looking over at me. And I'm going, well... The team thinks the team because Slimeland we're doing horseshoe and he's like, ah, he goes, Frank the animal, uh, he pissed off, he really mad, and I'm going, I know he's really fucking mad, he's mad at me. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Terry, he doesn't warm up, guys. He doesn't do anything. He yeah. just sits there with his stick untaped, leaning on it, 
staring into her head. So I'm going, holy fuck. So I come in after the, after the warm-up, and Michelle Therrien knows. He's like, he's going to go somebody. And I'm going, he's going sly, obviously. And, you know, like, I'm, first of all, I got a bit of an ego because I just get sent down. But second of all, you know, in many situations, I'd like to jump in there. But this is clearly a guy who's paid. He's a paid gun awesome. to come in and yeah. mow somebody down now. I'm going sly like you're, you know, for lack of a better word, goon. I hate saying it. These guys can obviously skate. I hate the word goon. But Sly was definitely our toughest representative. He's there to fight. <laughs> the only reason he's on our team is to fight. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going Sly Bluette. We had Dave Morissette as well, but Dave was hurt. So I don't even I'm sure we had more. We had Aaron Asham. We had Darcy Harris. But I'm just saying, if there's one person on the bench to fight Frank Bialois, it's Sly. So I'm coming off going, you're going to fight him, right? Like, and he's just staring at me. And I'm going, I don't remember. I, I don't think Sly said no or anything, but a few ships went by and he didn't. And I, and then Mike started getting upset. Then Michelle is getting every hit that Frank makes. I haven't been out there against him. Tyrion is not realizing what goes on. He doesn't realize this. He just thinks someone got to fight him. So he, I don't remember if he gave me the tap in this particular situation, but I knew it was time and I wanted to do it for myself because I started thinking, you know, He's fighting. He wants to fight me anyway. I'm probably going to end up doing it. So fuck it. And this is this this one's on YouTube. A lot of people have said, "No, you didn't." Yes, I did. So I just went on the ice. I I started it. I went out there and I just I went right after him because I'm like, this got to end. Like I, I just don't want want the anxiety. I want the anxiety gone. So we we fought over by his bench. I got a couple in. I couldn't believe I was fighting Frank Bialowicz because his, his punches really really were, were heavy, but he never hit me on the temple or the jaw. I didn't go straight down. I got some in, and then when the reps came over, I realized, uh, you know, enough enough for his – the Philadelphia was going crazy because the animal was fighting, but our team didn't lose much momentum because at least I stood up to him. I like that too. I didn't mind fighting those kind of guys because you don't really have to win, right? right. You, have to just, you have to just do respect of them. So anyway, we went to the box, and he played the tough guy role for a second. And I don't know how I brought it up, if I said sorry or, or whatever about the night before. But he just says, yeah, man, it's no big deal at all. He goes, I know. He goes, you think I don't fucking know? He goes, just a bit of a laugh. Uh, he said, there's no one fights me at home, man. I got to get these fans going. That's the way he said it. And I realized, I'm like, there's the animal. And then there's this dude that's a pretty funny character that I wish I got to talk to a little bit more. Like, I wish <laughs> yeah. I was on his team. Or, and I did. I saw him here and there after that for a beer, but never really got into it. Then I found out he's from Saskatchewan and he played here. We, we do have a lot in common and know a lot of – People, I'd, I'd love to talk to him again at some point. But on that particular evening, um, it went down that way. And sure enough, like I told you, like we started, you usually get respect, right? Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I can't remember. They, they were, we played them quite a bit, like six, eight times a year. And after that, I just remember it being, Wink, hey, how you doing? How you doing, Frankie? Not that I wouldn't fight him anymore. It's a job. Yeah. It's just often you get to see these people and the cape comes off. Right. You know, when when you realize that they're just human, it's like anything. It's like me, right. Ethan Hawke or whatever it might be. But when you actually got to fight them, there's, there's this level of anxiety that comes with it. So that's another thing that I'm glad that I played the way I did, at least amongst my peers. Now, I don't really care what a 20 year old thinks of me. Um, but the guys that I played with, I mean, you want respect, right. And, and you want to look back and say, at least I give it my all. And the players I played against, I didn't dirty them, but you know, I played hard. And that's the reputation I wanted. I think that's the reputation I got for the most part. Right on, man. Well, listen, thanks again, Terry. We really appreciate you doing the episode. And uh, oh, yeah. obviously really looking forward to your book, guys. You, tell, them, t tell them where they can get it, Terry. 
Well, you can get it on you can get it online. You should be able to get it in most Indigo stores. Being here in Newfoundland, that's Chapters and Coles. Um, if you want a personalized copy, order you order it from me specifically. My Instagram is Terry Ryan twenty twenty, and my uh, Twitter is Terry Ryan twenty, um, or Facebook, whatever. Like track me down that way. I'll sign one, send it out, um, and you know basically just pay the shipping. Um, and a lot of people like doing it that way if you want it personalized because people, I know people here in town are waiting me for go, to go to these stores and, you know, you go for an afternoon, but you know, I just can't make that call all the time. Plus you get, what I do, I go buy them from the company, right. And then I resell them. And that way, at least I make five bucks. If it goes yeah. in chapters or coals or any of them, I get 50 cents. Not that I right. don't want it to now because it's more of a platform than anything. Right. You just want it out product. there no matter what. Yes. It's great. Yeah. You know, great. but if, if if you buy it off me, you'll get a personal touch. Personal. Uh, really, it's the same price other than the shipping because mm -hmm. I'm buying them at Costco, right? That's what I do. I buy them at Costco and then resell them. At least I get five bucks. But hey, you can track me down that way. If not, Flanker Press, Costco, Chapters, Kohl's, that, that's what I know of. Online, I know there's an online version uh, on Kindle, uh, Amazon, but there's also, we're going to have an audio book soon. So look in the new year uh, for the audio book. Right on, cool. man. Fights, film, and folklore. Terry Ryan's new book. Make sure you get it. And uh, if you can't remember, I'm going to start with the first one. I'm going to I'm going to buy the first one, and then, and then well, you will um, honestly. If I had media copies left, I'd send one to you. They gave me some media copies at the beginning, yeah, right? That's I why I just said, "Taller, my new one." Um, yeah. And you, you know, feel free to share it. I appreciate what you guys are doing for me. Yeah, man. Uh, just giving me a platform. Uh, I'd give you one if I could, but I honestly don't. Uh, like hey, listen, you will like it though. I had a you good look. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Well, that's fantastic. All right, awesome. buddy. Thanks so much, man. It's really good to, to talk to you and get to meet you, Terry. Boys, thanks a lot. I hope it's uh, it's a good time. Uh, I hope it's not the last time. Uh, see you soon. Sounds right, great, Terry. Thanks, buddy. See you, boys. Later.